Welcome to the Prayer Room Podcast, a place to reflect, connect, and grow in faith together. We're happy you're joining us today, and we hope you're blessed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Prayer Room Podcast. We have here myself, Abraham. We've got Jose, Jorge, and Elliot. We're missing Kelvin today, but uh, we're going to keep going with uh, our planned discussion for today. Uh, we're going to be reading from the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29. If you're at all familiar with it, if you've been to churches, if you've ever been to, I don't know, a high school graduation, a uh, Christian high school graduation or a Christian college graduation, you might be familiar with, uh, with this, this uh, chapter, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, we're going to be reading a couple of verses surrounding it and talking about, um, talking about that famous and maybe sometimes infamous verse that we're all uh, very familiar with. Uh, so Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 10. Well, before we get to Jeremiah 29, 10, I just want to give you just a, a brief background to what's happening here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is this prophet who prophesied during the 5th and 6th century BC, and he prophesied to the nation of Judah. And he really spent a lot of time warning the people of Judah that this destruction was coming, that this nation of Babylon was was going to be coming from the north and was going to be sweeping through. And at this point in time, Babylon has pretty much conquered most of Judah. Most of the entire nation has been conquered. Jerusalem is one of the last strongholds that's holding on. It's a walled city on a hill. And so uh, it's been holding on and the people are trying to hold out. And Jeremiah had been warning these people, you know what, you're not to hold out. Just surrender to Babylon because there you will find um, relief. There you're going to find protection in the exile. But the people didn't want to listen, and so they were besieged, and, and there was a whole travesty that happened within the city walls, people dying of starvation and famine and plague, people dying as they were fighting outside the walls. But Jeremiah, as he's speaking to some of the people who've already been exiled now in Babylon, he writes them this message of hope, and he wants them to know that, uh, that God has these plans for them, that uh, there is a timeline there was an expiration date to their suffering, to their exile, that this wouldn't occur forever. And so we read here part of Jeremiah's letter in 29 verses 10 to 14 is what we're going to read today. Uh, so it says this, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And this is the verse you might be familiar with, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. So we have Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I have these plans for you. And you can imagine how difficult it might have been for the people at the time to really believe the words that God had said, especially when their nation was being destroyed, when their capital city was being besieged, when the temple was, was in ruins and, and all hope seemed lost. It, it might be difficult for them to believe that God's plans were present or that God had even thought about them. So for you guys, kind of what, what uh, it's one of the questions that I wanted to ask, what gives you hope? when things seem bleak? Like, what do you cling to? And how do you cling to this idea of God having plans for you? This might throw a wrench in your spiel, but I don't cling to that. 
Okay. Talk to us. I, I, I've actually come in my journey and we were kind of talking about this at the end of last podcast between us. Right. And how this, why this, we're talking about this now. And I don't, uh, I don't believe this text the way I used to believe it. You know, okay. I used to believe man, God has a plan for you, you know, and all, all of these things. And, and we use it in graduations, all those things. So I don't cling on to the idea that God has this plan for me. I do cling on to the idea that God has a plan, had a plan, and it's already been done through Jesus Christ of my salvation. Outside of that is a different conversation. You know what I mean? That's the, for me. So, so just quick question then. You said that you don't believe it how you used to believe. So just yeah. briefly tell us like what, yeah, what was sorry. the brief so summary of what believe, you used to like, believe? Yeah, like God actually has like this, this, this written out plan for me. Like he has a wife for me and it's this woman and he has this career for me and it's this and he has this house for me and it's that or he has this place for me and that's where I'm going. You know what I mean? Kind of so, this, this kind of step-by-step idea that, hey, you know what? I'm in the guts right now. I'm in the gutter right now, but God has a plan for me. You know what mm. I mean? And I'm going to one day live that out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a, like a roadmap or something for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I have a question okay. for you, Jorge, because there's a, a chapter in the Bible that I enjoy reading it so much. It's Psalms 139. Yeah. And in verse 16, it says, you saw me before I was born. This is yeah. David reflecting on what God has done in him in creating him. And then he says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think this is speaking to when, when David says, man, every, every day of my life was recorded in your book. David's a poet, brother. He's not a okay. theologian, you know, he's okay. a poet. He's this is how he is expressing himself to the Lord. Because then what about the Holocaust survivors? What about the woman that got raped? What about the little girl that got you know what I'm saying? What about her? Was that recorded in God's book for it to happen? What do you right, think? It's a good question. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying, though? You, you know? I know absolutely. Absolutely. I understand but, what you're saying. But, but David is a poet. And when he writes the Psalms, he's not writing as this is how God works. He's writing as this is how I view how God works. You know? Mm-hmm. In my opinion. In my opinion, right? We got, we got other people here. That's why I'm sorry, yeah. Brad, to throw that wrench. But no, 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 no. Question, right? No, it's all good. It's all good. I think it's an important, it's an important perspective to have. And I think one, one thing, Jose, is, as I'm listening to that verse, I think of every day being written in, in God's book. And I think of, of, some, of, of a word that, that I personally also don't believe in, but I know that some people do. And I think that this is kind of what we're, we're getting to. And, and this is, yeah, I wanted to touch on this definitely as we, as we read through this verse. The word is predestination. Yeah. I knew right. you were the idea say, that yeah. that our path or our our lives or the events in history that that we experience are predetermined ahead of time, mm-hmm. that whatever we experience is as God it has ordained it in some degree. Yeah, that it had to happen. It had to there happen. Was no I had to go through that. This had to happen. So, yeah, how, how how do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about this concept of predestination? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Why? Why not? Disagree. I personally don't. Yeah, I disagree with that. But well, but but Jose, you just said, what about David saying all my days were written in your book? That means right. And I was just asking that question to see how you would reply after you said what you said. Oh, I see. Yeah, Elliot, how do you feel about this concept of predestination? Because we're talking about God's plans, and yeah. and we can definitely Great dive op- into that idea of of you know like yeah, God has mm-hmm. these plans, and so if if I have to follow it. Or I have to go through with it. Or, or it has to, to happen. Or it has to it has happen. To happen. Yeah. It has to happen. Like there's definitely certain promises 
in a sense, right? And for example, I mean, or plans, like when I read verse 10, he goes, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, meaning that is a predetermined thing. Like you are going to be in Babylon for 70 years. What happens in that time frame is maybe not predetermined. I think you have freedom of choice, right? Like there's certain time frames that are promised in a sense. Like you'll be 40 days, 40 nights. Like, I don't know, like time frames maybe aren't completely like can be certain, but what well, I think you're confused as to what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I've never really <laughs> think about predetermined, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Your, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No, no. I think you touched on a really good point because when we talk about predestination and if we dismiss all of it in its entirety, then I think that we do a disservice to some of the prophetic uh, revelations that, that is, that are written in the Bible. Right. And I think that, part of it. And I mean, this could be a whole conversation on its own. So I don't, I don't want to take too long in, into the prophetic aspect of it, because I think we could spend hours talking about, you know, some of that stuff. But I think that one of the things that are important to note, when we read that verse in, in verse 10, it says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, that I differentiate when it comes to the the prophetic plans and predestination is that when God promises that he is going to do something independent of our action, independent of our free will, that God can determine timeframes for that. So he says in 70 years, I'm doing this. It's not dependent dependent on who's involved. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's that's kind of what I was trying to say. And like, when he says, Hey, I'm coming back, you know, like I'm going to come yeah. back. That's not, that's, he's not coming back. It's independent of what happens. He promised that he's coming back. We need to cling to that hope. We need to cling to that promise. And it's similar to what's happening here. It's like they're in exile and they need to cling to the promise that at least there is uh, an end goal here that in 70 years we'll, we'll be coming back. Right. So there is certain predestined things that we need to cling on to, to hope for. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, I think we're talking about, we're, we're, we kind of seem all to be agreeing that, you know, we don't believe that God's plans overwrite our free will or overwrite our personalities or who we are, the choices that we make. There is no written in stone roadmap that we have to follow. There is no, you know, this concept that you find in, in, in movies and whatever, the one, you know, if you're talking about spouses and, and, and all that other stuff. But if you've, if you've, because if you believe that, if you do believe that there is one written plan for your life, how do you deal with the, maybe, uh, what's, what's the right word for it? The sidetracks or the obstacles or, or well, the, the, the mess ups. things that happen. Yeah. Like, did God meet, like, he planned for that to happen? Yeah, but yeah. the plans are very specific. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future, right? Hope and a future. Like, what does that mean? Maybe we should dive into that because I think, what happens is, and it's actually very interesting in this text, the people are very thrown off because there was false prophets that were teaching yes. that you're going to be out of here very quickly, yeah. that this exile is gone. You're going to go back to Jerusalem. Everything's going to be good. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And then the real prophet, the true message comes and they're like, no, you need to settle down here. You need to build camp here. You need to build houses here. You need to mm-hmm. start producing here. And then they're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do here. So great. So God has the, 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 the idea of hope, prospering, future, right? Yeah. And now it comes, which we have to, I, I want to believe that that's for everybody. It is. So then how, how that comes about is up to what I'm doing to experience that. 
What do you so mean? So, Brandon, how? So, God's plan, where does He get involved in that, right? Mm. Does He grow the plant without me planting the seed? So, to what degree do our actions play into what God is doing? Yeah. It's kind of your question. Right. Oh, but well, I, I think, I think that this is now where Elliot's comment comes into place mm -hmm. because it seems that regardless of what people did, the plan was already there and the promise was already there, right? So mm -hmm. maybe Ellie, you can, you can, you know, mention what you said once again, because I think that this seems to be a promise that is not dependent on what people did because it was already said, right? What, I got plans. But there's also plans in, in the exile, right? Like people are thinking, I'll be, I'll prosper when I'm out of this. And God's like, I can prosper you in it. I can, you know, give you peace in it. Right. And I think people are thinking like, let's get out of here quick where it's actually just, it's a re reorientation of, I guess, why we're here now and what are we going to do about it? You know what I mean? Hmm. So let, let's, let's take a step back then and ask this question. How do you define God's plans? Right. Like, what, how would you define that? Because I think we're talking about what we think and think or what we think and don't think are God's plans, right? We talk about, you know, the prophetic value and, and setting in stone, predestination, whatever. Let's let's take a step back and let's ask this question then. How do we define God's plans? Because I think to some degree, we all believe in God's plans for us, that there's something. Well, so is it how God's we define plan that. or God's promises? Hmm. Like I, I think I think God's plans. So like, how do so we define God's plans? When we blanket, hey, God has a future and a hope for you to prosper you and all these things, like, is that, if he has a plan, then he has a way, he's, he, he's kind of working out, or is it a promise that, hey, man, this is for everybody, and if you're, or, 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 Bram, what if this is, this is just for these people, for mm -hmm. this time, mm -hmm. that's kind of where more I'm at, where some of these things that have been spoken, they were for a specific people, for a specific time and right. yeah we want to carry it forward to say well yeah god has stuff for us too but he's not specifically saying that into my life you know what i mean mm -hmm. if he he's open for it absolutely you know and the more of the conversation like maybe uh, if you touch on it or not is well how does god walk into my plan mm -hmm. what does god bless in my plan you know what i'm saying yeah does he right, walk yeah. with me in my plan yeah, and I want to get to that, but first I want to define how do you define God's plans? Like if you were to if you were to define it, how would that, you define it? I think I think people think certain things equals I'm in God's plan and certain certain things equals I'm not in God's plan. Why can't if you're just living and the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you, you are living out God's plan? You know, like there's certain things that are associated with God's plan. Oh, I'm doing X, therefore I'm part of God's plan. Why isn't just like living and being with the Holy Spirit, starting your day with the Lord, being part of God's plan. You know what I mean? Like, how can mm. we say A plus B equals C? I think that's when we get in trouble. I think when we box it in, oh, that Christian's doing that. And that's what it looks like to be a Christian. And that's what it looks like to be part of God's plan. Like that's just mm. boxing in. that's boxing in Christ. And I think that in and of itself, the question is troubling. And that's why we get in trouble <laughs> because we think that's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what it means to be in God's plan. Whereas God's promises is very open-ended, right? But God's plan, we start to make it very specific. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I think that we, 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 we as humans like to place ourselves inside the mind of God. And we try to, you know, 
believe that we know what's happening and and how he thinks and all these things mm-hmm. but i think that he is beyond our you know our power to really like encapsulate what that truly is for example i was just thinking god is omniscient you know and he knows everything i don't right. you know i don't know nothing i'm just a human right so when certain things happen, let's say something bad happens or I, I go through specific experience, can I say that that was part of God's plan for my life? For example, when Jorge said that he watched that movie of that kid that was born into something that was just crazy, right? Apparently he was uh, in part a child of an soldier. Or a child like soldier. soldier. There you go. Yeah. Like was that God's plans for that kid? Personally, I, I don't think so, right? But in his omniscience, man, like I don't know. You know, maybe some, some bad things that happened to me, we could say that it's, it's part of God's plan, but I may not see it as God's plan for my life. And I will never know until I'm with him. You know what I mean? That, that's how I personally see it, you know? Yeah, I think for me, I see God's plan as very general and not necessarily specific in an overriding sense. I think that I do believe God has plans for me. And I think that a lot of it really has to do with living according to his gospel, living according to his word, living according to what he has commissioned us to do, right? Which we find in Matthew 28, go therefore preach, teach, make disciples, baptize, right? I think those are some of the greatest callings that God places in our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think that God's plan is reactive and evolving and changing. And I think that it reacts to multiple variables. I think it reacts both to my free will and to the free will of others. And so when I think of God's plan, I don't think of every event in my life being ordained specifically by God for some crazy purpose. I think that God has plans to save me. I think God has plans to redeem me. I think God has plans to provide hope and assurance and peace in my life. And so that means that I have the choice not to follow into that. And when I don't follow into that, it doesn't mean I've messed up. It just means that God then reacts to that. Yeah, so... I'm, I believe God's plan. Yeah, it's general. But I believe that God's plan has already happened. Okay. You know, through salvation. God's ultimate plan for me is not to have a mansion, right? Mm. It's not for me to have a PhD. I don't believe that's the ultimate plan for my life. Mm-hmm. I believe his ultimate plan is for me to be saved. Yeah. Now, everything outside of that is up to me. And I believe, I believe this that God walks with me how I'm walking, you know? Like you said, he's a reactor, right? Mm-hmm. He walks with me. Do you and guys think... With me, sorry, Jose, as he walks with me, he maneuvers me. That's, that's what I was, I, I wanted to get to. Like, I, I was just like thinking here when you were saying that, like, is there, some, is there a specific way that he's trying to bring us Absolutely. in our individuality, like in our, yeah. in our own walk? Because we're all so different, you know, and we may say, okay, I'm walking in my own way. And then we're all walking everywhere. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if there is a, a specific place that he's trying to get us to in the journey. I think when I think of that, that's, I, there's a specific way for Jose. That's mm-hmm. what's very key here. I think we try to make a specific way for all people. Right. And, and God is a personal God. He's a relational God, which I think Abraham's going to get into later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in his walk with Jose, he is going to prune you. You know, he's going to see that that doesn't produce fruit in your life. Right. And he's going to prune that and he's going to work on that. And, and because he wants you to produce fruit and he wants you to do the Great Commission. Right. Like that's all. I think the, 
the more you lean into God and lean into the spirit, as Jorge has mentioned, he goes, you start to realize that the ultimate plan is just heaven, is just salvation. And therefore, the closer you get to God, the less you care about the other things. Because you're I don't like, know if that's necessarily true. In, that in a sense, in a that, sense. That, no, because all these other things still matter, Elliot, you know? But they be they become they they become less like okay I can spend so many hours trying to find that home and pick out that home but all of a sudden I'm in prison what did that home matter to Paul for example right the the moment things are cut away from you okay just think, take COVID for example okay the amount of hours that were put into things that literally got taken away from you and now they're gone. And you were like, wow, I put a lot of emphasis into that thing. I'm, I try, I can't think of an example, but I know a lot of people have come to that realization of like, wow, I was spending a lot of time doing that. Or I was spending a lot of time doing that. And then when it was taken away from me, I realized that I put so much importance to it. You know what I mean? I just think... That doesn't most, mean it wasn't important. There are certain things that just aren't. There are certain things that need to be pruned and or cut off in your walk with God, I think. So like Jose asked, does God maneuver to a specific destination? I don't know if there's a specific destination. A specific destination has already been set up for us. As far as on this earth, you know, we're walking. And God says, hey, if you're, I'm walking with you, then I have the ability to maneuver. I've had things in my life. Only God could make that happen. You know, like only, only God could have opened this door. Only God could have set this up for this to occur in this kind of way. But I was already walking like that. You know, he's a few steps ahead of me. Like, Hey, if Hori's open to it, I got something up for him a few steps ahead, just like your kid. You know, when you have a kid, he doesn't know that, Hey, if you keep walking, I got something for you on the other side of the gate. If you walk that way and I'm going to try to nudge you that way, but you can also choose not to go that way. And I'll react to that as well, but it's, I'm walking already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, can I, can I add something before you go? go. Yeah, because I know that we're going to move forward in the conversation. But I, I believe that what Abraham mentioned before about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, God is trying to bring everybody to live there and, and experience that. And in our own individual walks, he is ultimately trying to bring us to live in that. You know, So for example, I'll give you an example. I, I personally do not believe that God had predestined for me to be a pastor. Right. I think that there is a lot of things that God placed in me, in my individuality and his and and in the way that he made me unique, original, Mm. that I could have done other things. And still in that other thing, I should be living in that grand purpose of, you know, being a disciple of him to the world in that other area, you know? So whether I am a businessman, whether I'm a lawyer, whether I'm a whatever I, I, I could have been, mm-hmm. his ultimate purpose was to make me a disciple in that circle. You know, that, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, think there is a, I think there is an ideal plan. I think there is an ideal way. And I think that when we allow the Holy Spirit to really guide us, knowing and trusting that God has this plan to lead us into that, into that commission, into that you know, selfless kind of living into that Jesus kind of way. I think that we can walk in that path. But again, we're, we're, we're free will beings, like we have the freedom of choice. And I don't believe that if we're to choose the wrong quote unquote option, that God's now, oh, you know what, we've got to get you back on track to this plan. I, I, I do believe God is reactive to that. 
And I think that he'll change and adjust. And, and, and as we grow, the plans change, you know, but I think ultimately the destination is unchanging, if that makes sense. Like the destination being, being that heaven bound, heaven loving Jesus kind of mindset. I think is what ultimately God is getting us to, but we keep moving and, and keep the conversation going. Cause there's something that's interesting that, that God says, as he makes his plan, he says, I have plans to prosper you. And, and this is key not to harm you. God says, I have plans not to harm you. Why do you think that God even needs to say that? Why do you think God needs to clarify that as he expresses his plans to his people? As I think as God asks us to move, we think it is going to be extremely tough. Like I mm-hmm. think of Peter when God calls him out on the water, right? And it's like, hey, this is a little plan for you. Walk out, you know, and it's not to harm you. But in this humanness, it's like, I'm going to drown. And we feel that way as God calls us into what he has for us, you know, mm-hmm. into what if he has something he would like us to step towards, you know, like for me, when I left my last position as a prison chaplain, I left to nothing, you know, but I felt the Lord saying, Hey, you know, it's time to go. And I had a certain idea and I wanted that as well, but it's like, I was going to nothing. I, and, and, and through it, I felt, man, this, I don't know if this is of God cause I'm being hurt, but now looking back, it's like, man, this was great. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think he has to say that because, and, and specifically to the people in this time, right? Like they're in Babylon. Yeah. They're in Babylon and he's, they're like, we're not supposed to be here right now. I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to be in this season, right? Or as Jorge saying, hey, I set up expectations that when I go to Winnipeg, I'm going to have X, Y, and Z. And then the Lord's like, and then all of a sudden you're not having it. And you're like, whoa, like what's going on? I'm not prospering and, prospering you. And, and the Lord's like, I'm not, you're not in this season because I'm trying to harm you. You're in this season because this is exactly where you're supposed to be right now. Yeah. But you set up expectations that you are supposed to feel this way in God's plan. And right. now that you feel this way, you think I have abandoned you. You think I'm harming you. And mm-hmm. you only feel that way because you set up expectations that when you are in Babylon or when you are in a season that you're not supposed to be in, I leave you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and people get this is a very big thing to hammer in on because people leave the church in the season. When COVID hit, people left the church. When, when hard times come, people left the faith. People are always finding excuses to leave God. And it's never because of God. It's because of the expectations we set up around God, right? Mm. So it is very important, he says this, because we need to cling to this, that it's not God harming us. It's them or our people harming ourselves. You know what I'm saying? You know, being, being a leader means that you see something that other people don't. And when you're leading folks, they don't always understand why you're telling them to go in this direction. And like Elliot said, like when you're being led and don't fully understand, you think the person ahead of you doesn't understand either, you know, Mm. but that person does understand. And it's like, Hey, like you got to go through this. If you're walking with me to get you to here, like when I moved, man, I I genuinely remember talking to to, to our friend Harrison. I said, bro, I think, I think my anointing has left me. You know, I think right. the hand of God has literally been removed from my life because every right. single door le- closed, man. Right. I was supposed to be pastoring. I was supposed to be in a prison all at the same time. I had knew what that felt like. I was like, I think God has removed his hand from my life. Right. Talk to me now. I'd be like, man, I think God has me by the neck, man. Right. That That's what's so interesting in like verse five, is it? And that's why I think I said it off the hop. Oh, yeah. yeah verse build, five. Build houses. Verse, verse five. Like. 
imagine in your lowest season or in a place that you're not supposed to be god's like build houses and dwell in them plant gardens and eat their fruit so not only is he like this is just a passing by season he's also like that's the biggest thing and i don't like that in 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 conversation or in christianity where it's like you just you gotta go through it and then there's the thing on the other end but it's like man so what i'm just gonna go years and years and years waiting like no 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 in the passing along season also build houses dwell in them plant gardens and eat their fruit do what you can in a season that doesn't seem ideal but god is with you if god says this is part of the plan do something in it it's not just going to be a passing by a coasting season right Mm -hmm. yeah i think oftentimes we we've treated the hope of deliverance and the hope of restoration and we've we've turned it into a form of escapism Mm. where we're sitting on the edge of eternity and and really missing all that is present here in reality and and i really do believe that god god is intending for us you know he's saying get comfortable you're going to be here a while yeah. place you don't want to be you're going to be here a while and there's something interesting that he says too in verse seven he says also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which i have carried you into exile mm. god's like pray for the people who've oppressed you seek the oh, peace of this God, the, the city you're not right. supposed to be in go make some rights wrong some wrongs right amongst where you're at right. yeah right yeah. like instead yeah. of always you know complaining and and making bad relationships like go and make things right in this season. Cause you get, mm-hmm. like you said, Brad, you're going to be here a while. So how do you want to live? Right. Exactly. You know? man, what, come, what comes to my mind, man, that's like a parallel to just even us on earth where it's like, Oh, I'm going to heaven. So I don't got to deal with a lot of things, you know, like, mm-hmm. or, you know, people that aren't believers and they don't agree with you. You're just like, yeah, but I like, I don't know. You just, you don't reach out to that person, you know, because I'm going, he- I'm going to heaven right? Like you don't make a wrong or right. Like it's just all, yeah. All about, okay, we're going to be saved and go to heaven, but I don't got to deal with a lot of the things on earth. That's what comes to my mind. Well, what comes to my mind when you say that Elliot is even just this whole COVID situation where it's like, I'm just waiting for this thing to blow over. Right. And Mm -hmm. once it blows over, then I'm, then man, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy, you know what I mean? Or whatever it may be. And it's like, no, no, no. It's not about waiting till it's over until you get there. It's about, man, what are we doing right now? So that when it's over, you're ready to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part, part, part of the promise where he says, you know, in 70 years in verse 10, for when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my promise, bring you back to this place. I think there's, there's a dual nature to this. There's two aspects of why God gives this promise. One, he lets them know, not only is there hope, sure, there's going to be deliverance, but it's also 70 years away. That's an entire generation for people. Yeah. Right? Like get comfortable, you know, get, 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 get working, get yeah. doing things like this. Isn't just a moment where like, Oh, you just got to hang on and, and wait for this to all pass and be over. Like get working. There are things to do right now in this season, regardless of what season you're currently in. And I think that that's part of also why he says, you know, I have plans not to harm you. This, this season seems like harm, but I have plans for you to build houses, plant vineyards, grow to, to, and this is crazy to reap fruit mm. in the season of uncertainty in the season of difficulty and trial and, and tribulation and oppression, whatever, there's going to be fruit you're going to reap that you're going to benefit from and enjoy and take pleasure in, even in that season of trial. And I think that part of, part of the reason I wanted to get to this too, part of the reason why God has to declare this, that he has no plans to harm us 
is because we really we really tend to to think you know whenever i'm following in god's footsteps whenever i'm doing what i think is right whenever i'm doing what i think god has called me to that nothing can go wrong that there's never going to be anything as long as i'm following in god's plan and i think that we've really turned this journey and relationship with God into this transaction. If I do all the right things, if I say all the right things, if I pray the right way, read the right way, uh, worship on the right day, whatever it is, if, if I'm doing anything like that kind of stuff that God is guaranteed to then have to bless me, to have to do the things I want him to do. And we add in there, Bram, when we do something stupid, we say, well, that was part of God's plan. Yeah. <laughs> it also becomes an excuse for stupidity. Exactly. Well, that's also, that was part, that had to happen because it's also part of God's plan. <laughs> yeah, right. But there's, a, there's this difference that I'm trying to get at is, is that we've treated God transactionally mm-hmm. where our prayers become, he has no like, like those claw machine games where you put a coin in yeah. and then yeah. you, or, or like a vending machine, you put a coin in, you put, you put a bill in, you get what you want, right? And mm-hmm. I think we've treated God like that. We've treated prayers like that. Right. Prayers are our coins, to pop into the vending machine to get exactly what we want. But that's not the reality of who God is. God is relational, not transactional. God, and this is, this is one, one of the things my professor said to me that I really loved. He says, God does not respond to your prayers. Hmm. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, and, he, and then he said that, he's like, you're probably thinking like, what do you mean? He says, God does not respond to your prayers. God responds to you. God is, God is not mandatorily responding to your prayers. He's responding to you. It's not about your folded hands and your bent knees. It's about you coming to him and talking to him. It's about relationship, not transaction, right? Because if we think that we need to necessarily pray, prayer is important. That's not, we're not saying that you shouldn't pray. But if you think you need to necessarily pray to get exactly what you want, then I think you're missing the point because now you're treating it as a transaction versus actually the fact that you're coming to God with your heart and your soul and your wants and your desires and your hopes and your dreams. And you're laying it all out before God, like you would with a friend talking to him, pouring it all out. That's the important aspect, right? When I think of this word, and <laughs> we're taught this in, in sales, really, in, in financial planning, which is build a relationship, don't do a transaction, mm. which is mean don't sell this and then be on, your, be on your way, right? And I think that part's key. So like I come to God for peace. Like I do come for something in exchange. There mm. is a transaction that occurs in our relationship, right? But- it's in our relationship. That's yeah. the part that's key. So the transaction becomes like a teller at Sobeys when I literally ask for something and I'm on my way until, until I cross paths by him by chance. And then I ask for another thing. I think that's what we do. Transactional relationship in prayer is something's going wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to come to God for the first time and then life's good again. And then I'm going to come to God again. That's what I think of when with transactions, because there is definitely transactions that occur in my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I do need something from him. And he promised that he promised me that he will give me something. Right. So that's not the issue for me when I think of transactional relation, but that's kind of off the hop, the first thing, but. But even then in a relationship, it's not a transaction. Like if you think yeah. about like being married to your spouse, right. And like you're doing the dishes, you're not doing the dishes so that they'll do the dishes next time. You know what I mean? You're doing it in the context of relationship because you love and you're caring for the household, you're caring for your spouse, whatever, right? And we talk about this. I talk about this a lot in premarital counseling when, when mm-hmm. I'm, we're doing counseling with couples is that you're not looking for, for exchanges of transactions. 
right? You're not doing tit for tat. Like, it's not about like, oh, I did this. So now you have to do this. I've done this for you. Now you have to do this for me. It's not about that. I know. Because then again, it's transaction and that and transactions defeat the purpose of relationship. Yes. God does not answer my prayers because I did anything. He, yes. it, a transaction, a transaction. I like, I, I like that. And I want to clarify that because when I come to pray or I did X, Y, and Z, then God delivers it or then God gives it. No, God has already gifted it through Jesus when he died mm-hmm. on the cross. It is complete. It is finished. Therefore, I can't do anything. I can't say the Lord's prayer so perfectly that my prayer is answered, mm-hmm. right? So yes, I, I like that. And it's actually very important. I'll erase it. A transaction occurs. I didn't do anything. God just gave, but he yeah, does yeah. give me something. He definitely does yeah. give me yeah. something. And a lot. <laughs> yeah. Jose. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking yeah to to me this is very it's it's a very personal thing and what i'm referring to is people's journeys like you can't take an experience out of someone for example i think of my mom it's crazy it's really crazy because my mom always says that she feels like god's spoiled girl because literally everything that she asks for she gets it's crazy it's truly crazy. And um, we, we've all been telling my mom, you should write a book about all your prayers and the way that God has answered. Right. But that may not be the case for other people. And I really wonder why is that lack of faith? What is it? Like, why is it that my mom gets everything? And some of us that we really desire something at times, we don't see it coming our way as it happens to her. Right. So I just wonder why that is you know so but yeah jose and that's that's why i struggle with this idea of god's plan right Mm -hmm. because it's it can't be a blanket it can't be well this is the message for everybody because it's not all the same for everybody Mm -hmm. if everybody does what your mom does not everybody's going to get what your mom gets Mm -hmm. you know and it's just like, you know, that's why when jose when you did that post on instagram like what's the quote you live by i said hey if it's not meant to be it won't be but if it's meant to be, it's up to me. I walk with the Lord. So I believe if there's something that isn't for me, the Lord's going to try to get me away from that, you know? But if there's something that's for me, the Lord's going to try to direct me to that. And it's up to me. You know what I'm saying? And now this is this is where I come into place because my my position is this. We have been talking about that our relationship with the Lord is 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 that it's relational, right? He he enjoys hearing where I'm at. He enjoys me, you know, just just telling him what I feel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So so when I do need something or desire something, I tell him, Lord, this is where I'm at. And, and I tell him as if I'm talking to a friend. But then I always end up saying, but let your will be done. And I don't know. If by me saying that, I'm saying, I don't know if I can trust you entirely. You know, I don't know if I'm lacking faith in my prayer, but that's that's where I find myself today. And I don't know if we're deviating from our conversation, but that's truly where I find myself today. That, yes, it's entirely relational and I enjoy being in his presence. It gives me peace to be able to mm. speak to him as a friend. But when I when I tell him what it is that i desire or or my season i always end up with the phrase let your will be done 
you know, you is know, that a good thing? What do you guys think? Yeah, you know, Jose, I, uh, I've had a few moments in my life where I've been like, you know, God, I know you may have wanted me to go there, but I didn't. And now I'm here. And this is what I want to do here. And I'll live with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I believe, like, yeah, Lord, I, you know, maybe I should have stayed a pastor in Swift Current. Maybe, you know, maybe that's what you wanted for me, God, you know, but I didn't. And I'm here now and this is what I want now. And are you willing to walk with me in that? Is this something that you can put your hand in? Or am I, am I crazy and I got a shift? You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, may your will be done. Wow. His will's already been done. Again, I'm sharing my, my, my thought, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but it, when it comes to my life, may your will be done. The Lord's like, well, what's your will, brother? What, what are you, where are we walking? How do you want me to respond to you? you know yeah and i'm i'm now another thing comes to my head now is is there a place where god says okay you don't want my will to be done then let your will be done i believe right and is that a good thing i believe that good i don't know but necessary absolutely this think, is... of that in, think of that in relationships hey look the lord's speaking i don't want you to be with that girl but okay, you want to be with that girl? Then may the fruit of that happen then. We actually see that in Romans chapter one and two, right? When he's speaking like, hey, he gave them up to the desires of their own, of their flesh, right? So they could have it out. Yeah, I, I've done this often. So when I, when I say we should do this, uh, I'm not one to do it, but I'll make a lot of plans without the Lord and then bring the Lord into the plan after and go, hey, Lord, is this part of your plan or is this not? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you're asking um, the wrong question. Is this part of your plan? Why are you wondering if it's part of his plan? No, that's what I'm saying. So I wonder after the fact, because I did the plan without, without God. Right. And my, my, my thesis statement, as, I, as I, I think back to even just earlier in it, is that if you are with God and we, and we know the absolute power of the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't be questioning. Because Holy Spirit is leading and guiding your life every day, Right. We are underestimating the power of the Holy Spirit if we are going about our day and wondering, is this God, is the Holy Spirit, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing here? You know, like, yeah. are, no, aren't, they, under, aren't we, aren't we underestimating what the Holy Spirit that has been given to us if we're questioning? Because I only question when I start to have Elliot, more Elliot minded plans than god-minded plans and i don't but know what, exactly what, is, what, what is an elliot-minded plan and a god-minded plan what you're just praying through it you know like what you know uh, an elliot-minded plan is it wrong to have an elliot-minded plan i don't think so i i think an, when i think elliot-minded plan i think i didn't pray i didn't read my bible i didn't do nothing this week therefore it's not therefore and i was making plans but my life wrong with that when my life went on all week and I did not spend time with the Lord and certain things have come about during this week. And then I asked, was that from the Lord? And I'm like, well, I didn't even really lead my life with the Lord this week. So maybe that's where the questioning comes in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, I think the caveat to this and, and, and the condition to this is, is that we're in relationship with the spirit. Yeah. You cannot be led in relationship with the spirit if you don't have a relationship with the spirit. And I think part of, part of what you're getting at Elliot and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of what you're getting at is that, a lot of the times we ask if this is God's plan because we haven't actually been involved with God. Exactly. And so that's why there's question on it. But if we're truly involved with God, if we're in relationship with God, whatever we're doing, 
is going to be blessed by God. God is going to lead us. And even if there is a mistake down the road, whatever the case is, God is going to react to that. And if we're in this relationship and this partnership with God, and that's the, that's the key. If you're in a partnership with God, God is going to be blessing what your hands touch, regardless of whether you think this is some predetermined or whatever, if this is some kosher approved plan, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why for me, when I do things, I, I do, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be involved in a lot of things, you know? And I say, Lord, are you with me on this? Is this something you can make happen with me? You know, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's more my prayer now. Say, Lord, are you with me on this? Like I'm walking this way. You with me on this. If, 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 if this is a straight up failure, nothing you want, then just show me that. Yeah. If it's something that you know ain't good, then just show that to me. And I'll, I'll, I'll walk differently. But like Ellie was saying, like, if I'm walking with the Lord, I don't even necessarily always have to have that prayer. You know, I'm just like, yo, this is something that I know the Lord knows I want. I know the Lord knows I'm walking. The Lord's been blessing my steps this far. I don't need to question no more. We're moving forward here, you know, because you're in constant communion with God always. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy to me the way people have to pray so long for certain things. Like, man, we know, right. We have friends that are like, I got to pray on this. I got to fast on this. It's like, do you got to pray and fast on this? Like, isn't this something that, that you wanted how do you not know if you want it you know what i'm saying and clearly you're not clear on what you want in life you know yeah we only I question think- the community or we only question the communion when we don't like the outcomes mm. or what- not sure right like if mm-hmm. you got to pray whether you should be with this person or not i mean wh- what exactly are you praying you're praying that you might not like this person a lot you know what i mean like what, what what's going on yeah when you are in communion with the lord the power of the Holy Spirit gives you many things, many fruits, discernment, wisdom, right? So when you dwell, you understand certain things. You understand that relationship may not be good for you. You don't need to go, Lord, is this relationship for me? Lord's yeah. like, yo, I, yeah. keep on dwelling with me and you're going to start to realize that that isn't good for you. I'm going to prune you. I'm yeah. going to pr- Proverbs chapter one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to touch on. Uh, Jose's question earlier because I really wanted to answer this I used to have a a big issue with that statement your will be done and part of my issue was that I used to think that it was an excuse for people to just be like and and, because I I, I'd hear it a lot a lot when people's like lord we're praying for for healing for this person but but your will be done yeah it's like this this hands off this is what we're praying for but you know, our faith isn't big enough to, to trust that you'll do it. So your will be done. And so they, yeah. we're just saying this as, as a little asterisk at the end of the sentence. And this is just, a, you know, happen. for liability's sake and whatever happen. the case is. <laughs> right. But I've, but I've really come to terms with that, that statement, your will be done. Because the more that I've been in relationship with God, the more I've read God's word and I've seen the history of, of how he's reacted to people. I know that God's will for my life is good, that God plans good things that God wants goodness for me, whatever that generally might look like. And so a lot of the times when I pray that God, your will be done, I'm really just saying there are sinful parts of me that seep into my prayers. Sometimes mm. there are sinful parts of me that, that seep into my desires. And so sometimes the things might be good, but might be tainted by something. And so when I give up this, this idea of like, you know what, God, your will be done. It's less about, you know, if it doesn't come true, then there's that caveat. It's more about God. I really want to surrender to you. Hmm. And I want to, I want to let you lead and I want to let you bring me to whatever it is you want to bring me to. And, and I'm so trusting that you have good things, that you are a loving God, that you truly don't have plans to harm me, that I'm willing to go where you lead. Even if that looks crazy, even if that 
season or journey is going to look tumultuous, even if there are going to be obstacles and roadblocks and thorns and whatever ahead, I'm trusting that you're leading me to something. You know, Brad, I respect that. I really do. And I believe it. I, but I guess I'm me as a person in my relationship where I'm at with life. I learned I'm on the other, uh, I'm on the other side of that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm more like, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is what I desire. You know, I'm not yeah. trying to, I'm not trying to go live a sinful life, but these are the things that, that I'm wanting, you know, and I know that this is only possible through you. I kind of lay my plans out before the Lord and say, this is what I desire he already knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? Hey, the Lord knows. How, hey, wh- why do I got to hide that? I want a Rolls Royce. I'll tell you and I'm going to tell the Lord, you know, and I say, mm-hmm. Lord, this is, this is, this is what's up. And, and God, is this something that we can walk together through? That's all. And, yeah. and, and I have no shame and no fear in telling God what I want. And, and yeah. And I, and I guess I don't put that little thing at the end where I say, but God, whatever you want, that's better for me. I guess I haven't been doing that because I say, Lord, through wisdom, through through how God has led me and who I am, I have a good idea of what I think I desire right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't if, know if it's wrong. I don't know if it's wrong. Maybe I am. Maybe I am wrong, you know? Yeah. But I've just been, in my opinion, I've always seen it more as an excuse. Do you guys know Pastor Willie Ramos? Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. heard of him. This kid with, was in a wheelchair said, Pastor, can you pray for me? And he said, I want to walk again. So the pastor prays and says, God puts his hand on him and says, Lord, may this man walk, but may your will be done. Mm. And the kid says, thank you, pastor. But I just wanted you to pray that I would walk again. You know, like Mm. that's my, that is my desire, you know, Mm -hmm. like the Lord's will, whatever that is, but I want to walk. Mm -hmm. So the guy left kind of disappointed. Like, man, I came to this guy for this and I got this. So the pastor kind of realized this. And then he says, man, the next time someone prays, I'm praying directly for what they're asking. You know, I will say, you shall receive. I like that. So so the kid comes, the kid comes and another new kid comes, this delinquent kid. And he says, "Uh, pastor, I need you to pray for my hearing. And so the pastor grabs the, the kid by the ear and says, in Jesus name, I pray for this kid to get his hearing back. I pray for his hearing says, amen. And then the, the kid says to the pastor, pastor, I didn't mean my hearing on my head. I meant my court hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I think- Yo, why, does, why does Jorge have so many of these like <laughs> gimmick jokes that just ready to come at all times? <laughs> there was still a moral in the book of the story. i think i think part of because i agree i think like all of our journeys are different and part of part of my prayer with your will be done is really a surrendering of of my desires and i respect really desire god i respect that you know what i mean it's honorable it's admirable there's nothing wrong with that you know Mm. yeah you know what i i think that it truly comes down to what is your view of god Mm. right and each one of us, we're very, we're, we're in our own journeys, you know, and God has worked in our lives in, in various ways. So I was just remembering a, a story that I read not too long ago of these guys that are working as chaplains. They're, they're studying to be chaplains and the supervisor sends them to their hospital floors where they have to serve. Uh, but he didn't give them much instructions. 
And then at the end of the day, they have all these questions because they didn't know how to minister to the patients. They said, should we pray for them? If we pray for them, should we pray for healing? Should we pray for spiritual healing? Should we pray for encouragement and perseverance through what they're going through? Or should we just not pray at all and just be present? And then the supervisor asked them that question, like, what is your view of God? What, how do you perceive God? Because if you perceive him to be involved and, and someone who's, uh, who can heal, then you will pray for healing, right? Yeah. So in, in, your, you know, in your singularity, in, in the way that he has been working, your view of him really is what leads you to, to that, you know, that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Very good point there, Jose. I believe that. I say, hey, what you believe is how God responds. Hmm. yeah yeah that's a good that's a good statement there and i think about the new testament when people were stuck in a in a way that they perceived how god works and then when god worked they didn't see it you know hmm. because they were stuck in a in a perception and i think i think the holy spirit is working on yeah everyone's lives very differently even in this room right but he does break down barriers he does break down walls right like there is a progression that occurs which is interesting and i i think yeah, like one one thing I'm I'm kind of on the the Abraham fence where it's like the closer I come the the more I realize it's just God just keeps on giving no matter what I do, no matter what I pray, whatever no matter what I pray. Like back to the transactional thing. I can't pray a certain way or ask for my desires a certain way and then get it get it answered by God. Like God just gives just cuz he gives. And mm -hmm. I think and it's a very it's a very we're seeing this in faith too, right? the guy who prays to God and you said it off the hop about your mom, Jose, and it is troubling for many people where it's like, Hey, this person prayed for my mom to be healed and they were healed. And I prayed and, and God didn't heal him. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. So they, they, they put it back on themselves. Like, Hey, I'm not doing things right. Or I don't right. have enough faith. And this is, this is bad theology, I think, because mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with you. And right. this, and, and it's not about how much faith you had. Jose's mom didn't have more faith than the, the desperate kid wanting their mom to weird, live. Weird, man. It's very weird. I'm telling yeah. you, like, my mom says that she's a spoiled daughter of God. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah have her pray it. for all of us. We need it. We need it. But I, I don't think it, it's not the way it works. I don't think it's right. the way it works. Right, and I believe that too. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there's there's a lot of, and, and this isn't, this isn't going to be comforting, but there's a lot of mystery to the way that God operates. And I think that at the end of the day, the things that I don't understand, I believe God is working to some good in the end. And the good won't always be right now. And I think that's what Paul talks about Romans 8, right? Where he says, you know, the good God works together for the good of all things. And I think we all take that to mean like good in this life, but God really is working together to the good of, of eternal life. And so sometimes some prayers don't get answered, not because God isn't working, not because we're not faithful, but because there's just a, there's just a mystery that we don't have really the perspective to see and understand. And, and I want to start concluding as we begin to wrap up, as we kind of touch this last part, because I think a lot of us, when we read Jeremiah 29, 11, we read this, this verse and, and we cling on to something. I think this is why a lot of us use this verse for graduations and, and, and stuff like that. And, and for clinging to material objects, because we can really, really twist this verse to be about materialism especially when we focus on this idea. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plan to prosper you. And so we think of, oftentimes we associate prosperity with material blessing. 
but really the word that, and prosper is not a wrong translation because I think that there is some idea connected to prosperity, to the hope, the future, to the restoration, the healing of Israel. But the word that God uses is a word you'll be familiar with. He says, I, I have plans to shalom you. And shalom, if you're familiar with the word, means peace. I have plans to peace you, not just to give you peace, but to peace you. He uses it as a verb, to peace you. And so my question to you guys, as we begin kind of closing and wrapping up, what, what does God's peace look like? And how, how, does, how does that change the way that you associate or connect to this verse and this promise? God's peace is independent of where you are. Hmm. And that is comforting, meaning you are exactly where you are meant to be right now and have peace in that. People need, people are very anxious because they're like, man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Oh, I'm supposed to be there right now. Or, hey, I'm, I'm this, I'm 25 and I'm supposed to have X, Y, and Z. I'm not supposed to be in this place. You know, a very anxious and depressed society. People need peace and to have comfort. Jorge. Yeah, Jorge's looking at me like, like, well, you said thing? kind of things that contradicted things you say. You said, well, I'm where I am because this is where I'm meant to be, you know? So I was kind of like, well, yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. This conversation is interesting because we stumble over some words, right? For, for, for me, the peace of the Lord uh, is I can, I can take care of what I need to take care of that's in my hands, you know? Mm-hmm. I have peace. When you, I got plans to give you peace means I, get, I can take care of what's in my hands to take care of. The, the addiction prayer opens like this as God grant me the wisdom, the serenity. Ah, I, I'm butchering up, but one of the lines says, let me know what I can, what is in my hands to control and what isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we, I have peace when I know I've done everything I can to, to take care of what I need to take care of. And in that, in peace is health, in peace is wealth. So did God give you the peace or did you give you your peace in that statement? Lord gives me the ability to have peace. Yeah. By doing X, by you doing it. Yeah. Well, I don't have peace if I got no food in my, in my belly. But the peace isn't talking about physical. The peace is not physical. In my opinion, in my opinion, I don't see it as a physical. I'm just saying, are you asking how we view peace? Can I have peace if I don't have certain things? My answer currently is, well, I don't see it. I but can't. God is delivering spiritual peace, meaning imagine people in third world countries reading this, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why That's why I also agree with what you said is we are where we are. I'm fortunate that I wasn't born in Africa to someone who doesn't have nothing. I, I was born in this society and I'm accountable to where I'm at. Hmm. To me, to answer your question, Abraham, peace is just knowing that God is there. Th- th- that's peace to me. Just to know that that he's there, that, that he, he will provide. And, and I think of, of um, Paul when he is writing, you know, to the, to the church of Philippi, and he says that he knows how to live on almost anything or, sorry, nothing or with everything. Right? And he says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is in a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So to me, really, having Christ with you is what truly gives you peace. Yeah, I think of John. I wanted to find it because I wanted it to read it right. John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I live with you, leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
So the piece, I, and this is, I, I, and we can disagree on, on certain aspects of it, but I, I have to agree with you, Elliot. I think the peace that God gives is not contingent on our circumstances. It cannot be contingent on our circumstances because if it's contingent on, on the world's definition of peace, then it ceases to be God's peace. Yeah. I think God's peace has to be further. I think it has to be the eternal peace. Mm. I think it has to be the peace and the promise of something better, the peace and the promise of restoration, the peace and the promise of a kingdom to come that isn't going to be affected by the brokenness and the sin of this world. And I think that when, when God talks about this peace, because this is interesting because I have plans to give you peace not to harm you. And this is, he's speaking to, to a people group that have been ravished by famine, by mm-hmm. plague, by disease. They are exiled. They've had their home destroyed, their entire religious center broken down. This is not a people who has worldly peace, but God's like, I have peace for you. And the peace isn't going to necessarily be contingent on this. Yes, God has plans to restore them to Jerusalem. Yes, God has plans to, to restore to them what they've lost. There's peace in that. But I think God's peace has to extend further. It extends into that kingdom of peace and that eternal peace. And I think that we have to cling to that because our circumstances aren't always going to be the way we want them to be. And, and not just for us, but for, for humanity in general. But are we talking um, all the same peace though? So as, as my home, as I'm going bankrupt, I have peace because I'm going to be in heaven one day. No, you have peace because God dwells with you in the current state. Not the God's peace is not for heaven. God's peace mm. is for the here and now. He yeah. said, "I have peace for you in in Babylon, not in heaven." He said, "In Babylon." Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's it's a spirit. It's something in Babylon. He's saying, "Start building houses. Start planting things. Start eating out of your fruit." No, the peace so far- comes from. It's not. That's not what's going to give them the peace. So when they build homes and build this, he says. He says, have peace because I am with you. As, God, as, Ho- as Jose said, how do I know I have peace? God's with me. That's where my peace yeah. comes from. So he goes, because this is the big state. This is a big thing. It's, this is where the context is so important. They believe they have been abandoned by God. Mm-hmm. And God says, no, I'm with you. Have peace because I'm with you. Whatever happens, whether you build a house or lose a house, I am with you. So it's something that is given to them. And that's what I'm saying. The closer you lean in on this, the more you realize that peace comes from God and God alone. And that the other things don't really matter. They, they play a part, Jorge, they play a part, but God is the one that gives me easy conversation to have amongst, amongst us who have everything we need. It's true. That is true. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, I was hey, going to say that. This is very easy. Yeah, yeah it is. Food in the fridge. We all got homes and money in the bank. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I know. I was just remembering. I was just remembering uh, your comment uh, in one of our conversations, Jorge, when you said that you've met, you know, rich people that have everything and they've hung themselves. Yeah. So, so truly, peace comes from from something external. It's not the things that we have around us. Even though, you know, you could say that life is is better when you have some things, right? Well, that's sure. like, <laughs> is there is there is it the same piece? Like, is there the spiritual piece of knowing, hey, you know what, I have the Lord, but then there's another side of peace of, but am I taken care of? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, do they, are they the same? And and to me, they are. I believe that, well, the peace of the Lord, that, 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 that shouldn't change my, that in my circumstances should not leave me, you know? In fact, it keeps me, but do I have peace in this natural world? You know, not, Yes, not according to what the world standard is. The world standard could be very different, but is my home taken care of? But I think 
I, so, yeah, I don't know because I think when you think of when you think of these rich people that have everything, but don't have peace. Absolutely, right? that's what I'm saying. Are they of the? So there's is there two kinds of pieces? Yes, and I would say the natural peace does not give you and give you fruit. Give you the spiritual peace. You so it would not give you spiritual fruit. It could right. give you. Good. It gives you a, a, a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> So, right. so, there, so there it is. Makes, it makes your marriage easier. Like people say, the leading cause of divorce is financial. So, but the thing is, too, though, the leading cause. I, I think about that, right? Because the leading cause of divorce is financial. Because if without the Lord, finances are everything. You know, the the natural is everything. That's all you have. So, if you don't have it, my marriage is ruined. Like, what's your priority in your marriage? That finances completely ruined your marriage. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. God isn't this is now just like another conversation though, but you know what I'm saying? Just spiritual peace, natural peace. I don't think natural peace gives you anything. I think, I think if your priorities are so focused, natural peace takes care of you in this natural world. If you are so focused on the natural world, natural peace is everything. Right. But if you are so focused on heavenward, all you care about is the spiritual peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But natural, natural peace as as great as it might be you know there's there's that saying money can't buy happiness but hey like i'm i'm happy when i don't gotta worry about a roof on my head you see what i'm I'm happy when i don't gotta worry about food in my fridge i'm happy when i don't gotta worry about you know wearing a jacket on the winter right Right. that all that stuff is bought by money but here's here's the thing that i think we need to understand is that natural peace is empty right it's it's providing absolutely it provides comfort but it's empty and i think that that's evidenced by the fact that there are people who have infinite resources and are deeply dissatisfied and there are people who have absolutely nothing and still find joy and peace Mm -hmm. and i think that i think yes i think we cannot simply say don't worry about your circumstance because god provides peace i think we need to worry about what we're going through but that can't be the only thing we're worrying about it cannot be our focus it cannot be our priority because ultimately the only thing that brings satisfying fulfilling peace is the peace of god Yeah. yeah Yeah. Anyways, I, so, I think so. Yeah. So for me, I view things as two parts, right? Mm. Spiritual peace and the natural peace. Can I still have spiritual peace without the natural? And that's what Paul is getting at in Philippians, Jose, when you read it. Right? <clears throat> I have I have spiritual peace, whether I'm abundant or I have nothing, you know, and that's an amazing place to get to. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's really easy for us because I think of my mom. If she were to read Jeremiah 20 and 11, when we lived in a mud home, and I was born on a mud floor. What, 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 how does she interpret that? You know? Mm-hmm. And then how does someone interpret that in Canada? Well, we already like, know how it's interpreted, right? Man, I think about, there's the people that go to our church and their, their house just burned down. You know, mm-hmm. one day they're in their home, they're a family of four. They're in a home one day, the next day they don't have a home. Like it's just gone, you know? And like this shook them very hard and it shook you know people in the church are helping them out they all their clothes all their memories all their belongings everything's gone right but if your foundation is your home or your foundation is your career or your foundation is your health you know like you're a fit nut right like and then you get cancer and then it goes away like literally boom one day there gone the next and that is the point is that Jesus's peace is not fleeting. It cannot be gone one day and gone the next. Mm-hmm. We can choose to make it fleeting, but it is given to us. And that we are holding on to things that will, that are fleeting, right? So it can give me something one day, but then it goes away. I, I just, 
looked at a new new home. I just bought a new home. And I went there for the fifth time looking at it. And every time I go, the less and less awe, awe-inspiring it is. You know, it's, it was like super exciting the first time. And the second time, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's still super nice. Third time, like, yeah, that's just a home. Well, then you start looking at flaws in it by the fifth, right? By the fifth time, you're like, yeah, man, wow, I could upgrade. <laughs> like, this is the reality of things that are fleeting. They're fleeting and they don't give me happiness forever, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't even want to, natural peace is great and all, but it hasn't given me anything you know, and, and God's not promising. You, know, you can't say that, especially you as disrespectful to say that natural peace hasn't given you anything. It hasn't given me. You're a child of a doctor, but <laughs> because of what your dad did, you've had a certain peace that other people have never experienced. No, I don't think uh, this discredits what coming to the Lord means. It discredits it. If I say spiritual peace, I'm not saying because of this, you don't have spirit. You, you have have spiritual peace. No, I, I, I I can't, I just don't mix the two. I believe having anything and without, without having everything. That's my, that's what I'm saying though, is that I was born into a very good life. I was born into things that many people don't have access to. I was going on Christmas break and spring break to Mexico where people are just trying to go around Canada. They still gave you, Something that gave me that, happiness for a weekend. That gave me something in the natural. It gave me something in the natural. But my point is, what what did that do for me? Before what I came to Christ, what did it do for me? What you have now in the natural. But what does that do for me? Yeah, I think what I think what Elliot's trying to get to is that, despite the circumstances and the benefits he was born into, he didn't receive what truly mattered to him, which was the that spiritual peace, and that despite having natural peace it was irrelevant to him in the context of what he had missed out in christ right now having experienced the spiritual peace of christ that's right so there's a spiritual peace and a natural peace we this, can agree on that sure the spiritual peace when it comes into your life should discredit and and make you go wow i i spent so many worries and, and yeah yeah and that's why jesus that. says to the rich young ruler go sell everything you have and follow me because it, it becomes it blocked him it blocked him it yeah. blocked yeah. in his case and, and Elliot, if 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 all that doesn't matter to you go sell everything it's that no 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 this is what's very important matter means <laughs> that i think it will give me something it's giving more you than everything you have more than what god can give me that's the priority in the natural, level in the natural yeah. Yeah. but i think i think we need to wrap up and i yeah, think yeah. We need to clarify a couple of things. Yeah. The reason that God tells the rich young ruler to sell everything is not because possessions were bad. Right. It's because that's where his heart was. Exactly. Right? exactly. Um, and I think that, that to conclude, we really need to, to emphasize this, is that we can have peace regardless of what journey we're walking on. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what God has for us, is peace despite our circumstances. And if we truly want to put all of our eggs in one basket and really rely on natural peace and, and material possessions and all that stuff, we're going to find we're going to be dissatisfied in the end. Constantly. We're going to, Constantly. we're going to feel unfulfilled. Only Jesus can bring the full fulfillment that we need to experience. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I think that's, that's kind of what we want to end off and close on, right? Is that God's plans for you aren't overriding your free will. It's not predestination. God is reactive to, to who you are. God doesn't have plans to harm you. The season that you're in is could be a season for building, for reaping fruit that you might not reap otherwise. And, and ultimately that God has plans for shalom, for peace for you. And, and that peace lasts 
it's it's more than just the fleeting peace the world gives, but it's the peace of Jesus. Jose, could you could you close us in prayer? Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I just want to say that this was a nice conversation, very organic. I enjoyed it, and I hope that our listeners will enjoy it too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let us pray. Dear God, thank you for once again allowing us to come together as a group and just enjoy a good conversation about your word and what you have shared through it. I pray that we will continue to dive into it, that we will continue to reflect on it, and that we will continue to allow you to speak to us through it so that we may walk in your ways. Um, We love you very much, and I pray a special blessing upon uh, our group here and also to whoever is under the sound of my voice at this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Prayer Room Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Prayer Room Podcast. If you'd like to send the team an email with questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can reach us at prayerroompodcast at gmail.com.